worship with you. We're going to continue a sermon series that we started a few weeks ago, and uh, we're calling it Alignment. And uh, we believe that all of us really um, need to come into alignment with God. And uh, this whole sermon series idea came from uh, the concept of, of, uh, of chiropractic work, which I was having done back in January, and I'm still going occasionally. But um, for, for a couple of weeks there, I was going multiple times a week, um, getting my back realigned. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But before we do, we're just going to jump into the scripture. Is that all right? Is that all right? We just jump into the word? Okay, cool. Well, if you have a Bible and you can see in the dark theater, um, whip it out. Uh, but if not, we'll have a scripture up here on the screen for you. We're going to start at um, 1 John chapter 3. And uh, this is our third week, so we are in chapter 3. And I'm going to read actually from this, um, from this Bible right here that I have with me. If I can figure it out. Uh, normally, I, normally I read from the screen, but I'm wanting to, uh, to read from this. This is um, the Lavender translation. So um, the guy uh, who tutored me in Greek um, when I was 12 years old, uh, New Testament Greek, um, finally came out with his own translation of the Bible. And so I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, the purpose of this translation, by the way, is uh, to try to be the most accurate um, to the original language. So um, uh, if you hear some weird words in there, that's just because that's the way the Greeks would say it. Um, um, uh, so just go ahead and ignore that. But I'm going to read from this. We have the NIV version up here for, for the rest of our American crowd. Um, but if you would like a really great study Bible, I'd encourage you to check this out. Um, you can see me after service. I can tell you where to get it. It's called the Lavender um, New Testament. And so right now it's just in the New Testament, but it's awesome. So 1 John chapter 3, let's go ahead and get started. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Um, John says, you must take notice what sort of love the Father has given to us so that we may be called children of God. Because of this, the world does not know us, since it knew him not. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it was not yet made known what we shall be, but we know that if at any time he may be manifested, uh, we shall be like him, that's Jesus, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone having this hope in him purifies himself just as that one is pure. I'm going to cover, I'm going to come back and cover that. There's a lot of information. We're just going to read the chapter and then I'll, I'll, I'll go back and talk about it a little bit. Everyone doing the sin, in verse 4, everyone sinning, everyone doing sin, also continues doing the lawlessness. In fact, the sin is the same, or is the lawlessness. And you know that... That one, Jesus, was manifested, that's past tense, so that he may take away our sins. Indeed, there is no sin in him. Everyone who continues remaining in him, we talked about that last week, everyone who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone sinning has not seen him, neither has he known him. Little children, <laughs> little children, you must not let anybody deceive you. The one continually doing righteousness is righteous, just as that one, Jesus, is righteous. The one continually doing sin is out of the devil or born of the devil because the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Everyone having been born of God does not continue to sin because his seed remains in him, uh, to, uh, so he's not able to keep on sinning because he has been born out of God. Everybody still with us? All right, you're getting your Bible reading in today. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are evident. Everyone not continuing to do righteousness is not of God. 
In fact, neither is the one uh, that not continuing to love his brother. Well, come on, somebody. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we may love one another. Not as Cain, who was out of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And for what reason did he murder him? Because his works were wicked, but his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know, in fact, that we have passed over out of death into life because the love of the brethren, uh, and because because of the love of the brethren is in us. On the condition that one is not loving the brother, he remains in death. Everybody hating his brother is a murderer, and you know that every murderer has no eternal life remaining in himself. By this, we have come to understand the love. Because that one, Jesus, laid down his life in our behalf. And so, we ought to lay down our lives on behalf of the brothers. But whoever may have the life goods of this world and may take note of his brother having need and may shut up his deep feelings or his heart from him, how can the love of God remain in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither with tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are out of the truth. In fact, before him... We shall assure our hearts, because if our heart may condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart may not condemn us, that's the place we're trying to get to, we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we may ask, we shall receive from Him, because we keep His commandments. Also, we keep on doing the things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we may believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and we may love one another just as He told us. And the one keeping his commandments remains in him, and he, Jesus, in him. And by this we know that he remains in us by means of the Spirit whom he gave us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter written thousands of years ago um, to people far removed from our culture, but it's still applicable to us today. It still, it still speaks to us today. And so, Lord, we welcome um, your word to come and to speak to us. Jesus Christ is the living word, the embodiment of the word of God. So we want to see Jesus come and, come and speak to us, Lord. Come and reveal yourself to us. Come and align us with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, just in case, I don't think I introduced myself. My name's Harry. I'm the pastor here. Just thinking about that. Um, that's why I'm up here speaking. We don't usually let random folks jump up and start speaking. So um, I am the pastor, and we started this church about a year and a half ago, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome meeting in the theater. And um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who shows up every week and sets up here and serves and serves coffee and donuts. Come on, somebody. Um, and serves people as they walk in the door and welcomes people and serves afterward, stays and prays with people. We've seen a lot of healings happening, a lot of salvations happening, um, cancer actually going away. Right. Um, I, I don't want to I don't I haven't got permission to share her testimony, but uh, there was a certain somebody who had um, stage four cancer uh, a while ago. And uh, she was a part of a small group. That small group prayed for her and she went back a little bit later and they tested again. They said, well, it's actually in stage two. So that's that's really good. And then um, that was yeah, that was an answer to prayer. We were excited. I mean, anything going back down the other way is good. And so um, uh, then but then she needed one more test just before they they did this little operation that wasn't going to happen. The operation wasn't as big as originally they thought it was going to be. So, you know, that was an answer to prayer. And then they said, well, we got to do this other test just to see where you are at now. And they said, well, there's actually nothing. There's no cancer there at all. We can't find anything. 
The doctors kept using the word odd. They said that's odd. That's odd. Yeah, Jesus is odd. He is. He's a strange one, man. Like, one day cancer's there, one day it's not. Like, you know, it's odd. It doesn't normally happen. It's called a miracle. And, um... That's just one, honestly, of several, like a plethora of things I could stand up and say. But um, bottom line is, I feel like God's doing some wonderful things um, here at City Chapel, here in South Austin. And, um, and I'm excited about that. But this sermon series came out of really a desire to see greater things. A desire to see more health and more healing come to each and every one of us. And I say us because I mean myself too. Like I, I need to become more aligned with God's word. And um, alignment is so powerful. And we see this really in the beginning of chapter three. If you, if you look at the beginning of chapter three, we can throw up that slide. Um, John is, he's basically covering, he's answering the question that would have arrived in our minds from chapter two. And so if you weren't here last week and um, we, we record all of our sermons, they're on podcast, you can go to our website and listen. But really chapter two is all about remaining. John says you need to remain, you need to abide, you need to stay. Um, we, uh, we said that Jesus is kind of like, what, a couch, a ladder, and the sky. So for those of you who think that's blasphemy, you just have to listen to the sermon, okay? It's not like, we're not literal. He's not a ladder. He's not a couch. Anyway, um, but, but we believe in remaining, abiding. That's what John's challenging his readers. He's challenging them in chapter 2 to abide and to remain. But chapter 3 really is the answer to chapter 2. Chapter 3 tells you how you can accomplish chapter 2. And so I love this chapter because this is, this is, this is the how um, to uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2 is a remain, you know, abide, stay. Stay with Jesus, keep going, keep on going. And so chapter 3 tells us how we can do that. And, and he starts off with this, with this argument. He starts off and he says, you must take notice of the kind of love that God has poured out. So the first step in remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ, is focusing on the love of God. You have to remember the kind of love that he has given to you and I. You have to take notice. You have to keep that in the forefront of your mind. He says we must take notice so that we may be called the children of God. Now this is a brand new this is this is this is a brand new way of looking at things for us humans for us for us people we are we are often you know we we're, we're used to church and we're, and we're some some of us and we're kind of used to uh, uh, needing to make some commitments and changes in our lives and better decisions and honestly that's kind of what January is all about New Year's resolutions and all that kind of thing but this is not what John is talking about John is talking about a different kind of change not just a change of your uh, uh, will not just a change of your, of your daily plan and your schedule, but he's talking about a, a general change in your very core of your being. He says, you need to be not a child of whatever your parent's name is, not a child of this world, not a certainly not a child of the devil, which he starts talking about that here in a little bit, but the child or the children of God. That, you, that something can happen inside of you that can so revolutionize, so change you so deeply that you actually have a different DNA than you had before. <laughs> you actually have a different her uh, heritage, a different inheritance than you started off with. And that's what Christianity is all about. That's what God is offering each and every one of us. He's, it's not, God doesn't just make bad people better. <laughs> God makes us brand new. The Bible says that when you come to him, old things pass away and all things become new. And so, so many of us have never experienced that. We experience church. But what, what John says here in, here in the opening uh, verses of chapter 3, he says, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been made known what we shall be. In other words, we're not there yet. 
But we know that if at any time he, Jesus, may be manifested, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now later on, later on down the passage, he's talking about people who are still sinning, who are still living their lives, still living as if they don't know him. He said those people have not seen him. Because there's something about seeing him. Of course, I believe this verse is talking about the last day. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what theologians would call eschatology. Um, this is kind of an eschatological um, passage. He's talking about, you know, when we see Christ and he comes back in the air and the resurrection of the dead, that we will be transformed and renewed in the, in the twinkling of an eye, scripture says. So he is referencing that. But that's not really what he's talking about. This, that would be a weird sort of jump, right? He's talking about here and now. And so he's not really necessarily jumping to the future. He's talking about right now, if at any time you could actually see Jesus, you would be like him. And that's what, we're, that's what we mean when we say alignment. That's what we mean by alignment. That's why, that's why we want everybody to come into alignment with God. We want our spirits to come into alignment so that we will see him. And I'm convinced that you, when you see him, it changes you. That you can go to church for years and it never change you. <laughs> because you just see church or you just see a pastor or you just see, well, we, 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 we often put the focus on, you know, seeing worship or seeing power, right? The power of God. But you can see the power of God and that's impressive. But the person of Jesus Christ is what brings about transformation. It's a revelation of Jesus. And so this whole sermon series idea came about when I was going to the chiropractor and uh, uh, we have a, a couple here, um, Freddie and Greg, they have a chiropractic um, business in Kyle and this is their, this is their weekly commercial that I give for them um, because, because I, I was really impressed by, by just, you know, just, I've never been to a chiropractor before. So, you know, anytime I experience something new, you guys are going to be experiencing it with me. Um, and so I was a little bit, you know, apprehensive, a little bit nervous about going to, because, you know, they crack your back and they, and they crack your neck and they do all this. And I'm used to sort of cracking my own back and my own neck, you know, and, and I have a certain comfort level, but, you know, letting somebody else kind of grab your neck and like twist it around this way, it's a little bit, a little bit weird, a little bit scary, but, um, but he was explaining to me that the purpose of chiropractic work is not necessarily just to like loosen you up. Like that's what I thought. Like, it was just to loosen up my spine so that my back would feel better. He said, actually, the purpose of chiropractic, uh, it, it's, it's used for several different um, ways of healing. In fact, um, our youngest Micah, when he was uh, about one year old or about eight months, he had severe um, allergic reaction to breast milk. And so he had uh, just he broke out red all over his face. And and, um, and we had taken him to a chiropractor, like that young. I was like, really? You should take it? Like, I don't know about that. And so Roe took him to a chiropractor and the chiropractor just kind of moved, like adjusted his back a little bit. And suddenly his eczema just cleared up. It was amazing. I was like, what in the world? So, you know, so, so the purpose of chiropractic, and, I, and I, I'm probably overselling it. If you don't believe in chiropractic, that's fine. You'll still go to heaven. You know, it's kind of a new practice. I get it. I get it. But, but the purpose of chiropractic is to align your spine so that um, your brain can communicate with all the different parts of your body. Because your brain sends messages mainly through your spine and then to all of your organs and all of your vital things. It all goes through your spine. And if there's a kink like in your spine, then, then there's something called paralysis. I mean, that's the worst case. If there's a breakage in the spine, then there's no, there's no message coming from the head to that part of the body and that creates 
paralysis. You become paralyzed. You become numb. You can't, you can't use that part of your body that doesn't communicate with your brain. And so as a preacher, as Greg's telling me all this, I'm like, man, well, that's exactly, <laughs> that's very much like the spiritual world. Um, Jesus is our head. The Bible calls Jesus the head of the church. He is, he is our brain, so to speak. And I think our spine is very much like our spirit. And when our spine is, is out of alignment with him, we can't hear the messages from him. And, and that's where death happens. That's where paralysis happens. That's where numbness happens. That's where destruction happens. That's where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy those that are cut off from hearing from your head. And so much of my, much of, much of my, my purpose in preaching, much of my purpose in counseling as I sit down and counsel with people is not to give my opinion. That's, that's not the purpose because my opinion is worth like two cents, you know, and it doesn't work all the time. So my opinion is not like, that's not the purpose of preaching or counseling. The purpose of preaching and counseling is to help you line up with God's word so that you can hear from God for yourself. Because when God speaks to you, like when God, when you see Jesus, I believe every situation in your life is a setup to be able to see Jesus better. Every situation in your life. You say, why? Why am I going through this? Why am I, why am I getting sick? Because God wants to show that he's a healer. Why, you know, why, why am I struggling with my finances? Because God wants to show that he's able. Every single thing that you face in your life is a, it's a setup to be able to see Jesus better. And so some of us are losing some stuff. And we're like, I don't understand it. Yeah, God's moving stuff out of the way so you can see Jesus. Because your stuff is getting in the way of Jesus. Anyway. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, Americans. It's good. So it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Because he's like, his idea of great is when you can see Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, man, he gives you stuff that your stuff can't give you. <laughs> he gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you rest for your soul. He gives you happiness that can't, that's not temporal. That's not based on the weather or, or somebody's Facebook post about you. It's, it's these, these things are much deeper and more real. And that's what I found with the chiropractor. Like when he cracked my neck, he's able to crack it deeper than I was. Like mine is more peripheral sort of cracking. But like when he does it, like alignment comes, comes into my neck. And I, I've had like one headache in the past two and a half months, which is, which is very rare for me. I was having a couple headaches a week. Um, um, I was going to blame you all, but then I thought that would be too mean. So I just stopped. And I thought, no, I sh that's, that's too harsh of a joke. Sometimes I push it too far, you know. Sometimes I push it too far. That's what my wife tells me. So she's watching from New Zealand. Babe, I'm being good. I'm being very good. Not blaming people for my headaches. It's my misalignment that's the problem, all right? It's not you all crazy people. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going through, 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 through chapter three. All right, so he says, he says, look, this is what happens when we see him. This is what happens. This is what alignment is, seeing Jesus. That's what we mean by alignment. And usually misalignment happens. It happens through uh, trauma. Right, like in the physical. Um, uh, I, I, I shared the first week that I had a soccer accident. I was playing soccer and some jerk, um, like you know, elbowed me and flipped me up over. Like I, like so I, I injured my, uh, uh, fractured my rib and put my spine out. And ever since then, like that spot in my spine, like it tends to go out and things get tight around it, muscles and everything, and it's just it's painful. And so for me, it was kind of like a traumatic event. But when I was when I was asking Greg, you know. Uh, you know, hey, so, so why do you think my back's so jacked up? He said, well, it's hard to say. And I said, well, I'm glad you got a DR in front of your name for that. That's, that's helpful. That's so helpful. <laughs> and uh, he explained, though, he said, you know, it's hard to say because there is that one event. There, there is that trauma and that set things in a bad motion. But then there's like your daily habits from the past 
you know, 35 years that you've been alive. The way that you sit, the amount of time that you sit. Uh, I, I sit at a computer a lot um, because I'm working, not playing games. Um, <laughs> I sit at a computer a lot, but I often like kick my feet up. So like I'm at Starbucks and feet up on the table and your neck's like all jacked up like this. And so, you know, he's asking me like those kind of questions. And I'm like, I don't really think about how I sit. I just sit so I'm comfortable. That's how I sit. And, uh, but he's asking, you know, how I lay, how I sleep, all this kind of like habits that I have throughout my life also contribute um, to the misalignment in my spine. And I think this is what John is talking about when he says in verse 3, he says, everyone that has this hope, everyone that has hope in Jesus, everybody that puts their hope in Jesus, this is what they do. They purify themselves just as that one is pure. In other words, in other words, and he, he continues, he says, everyone, he says, in fact, let me explain what this is all about. Everybody who keeps on sinning, uh, they are doing lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that Jesus was manifested so that he might take away sins. So that he might literally like pick up your sin and pull it away from you and take it away. Remove it from you, remove the guilt of it, but also remove the source of it. So he changes your life. This is basically what he's saying. He says, look, everybody who continues remaining in him, they don't, they don't keep on living the same way that they were. It changes your life. But he says right here, he says, whoever, whoever has his hope ought to purify himself. Just because you get washed once doesn't mean like, you don't have to take a bath, like, ever again, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Me, I take a shower once a month whether I need it or not. It's just, you know, I mean, on the first of the month, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. Um, <laughs> no, I would recommend daily or semi-daily, um, you know, bathing. I think Emilio takes like five a day, so that's a little extreme. That's a little bit extreme, but, you know, he's, he's, just, he's just like that. But, but this is what he's saying. He says you got to purify yourself. So you do come to God. He does do something inside of you, but then there's a process. And this is, this is, this is, uh, this is really in, 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 in great contradiction to what uh, the Gnostics were teaching during that time. We'll get into that here in a second. But I really think he's talking about cleaning up like your daily habits. You know, because we all have daily habits, just like I have daily sitting habits that mess up my back. We all have daily um, habits in our life that can, that can contribute to misalignment. Um, there was a time uh, uh, about five years ago that um, Roe and I were going through kind of a hard time in our marriage. And really, it's the only time that we've struggled with things. And... Um, what I found was, uh, about six months later, I was like really thinking, examining it. I realized that I was listening to this particular band, like this, this one band. And like all their songs were like breakup songs and like growing apart songs. And like, you know, kind of, I love the music and I love the songs actually, because it's great poetry. But um, I realized like this, this isn't helping me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't helping my emotions. This isn't helping my ways of thinking. I mean, I know the Bible. I know all this kind of stuff. But this music I'm putting into myself, like, all day, every day, is not really helping me. And now, I, now once again, Pastor Harry's not saying you can't listen to secular music. Um, I think if you listen to Christian music too much, you might get depressed. But, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've heard that song. Nope, those are different words. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I lived in Nashville for a while, so I can say that. Okay, all right. I know, like, I know what's going on. So they, you know, like, I'm not saying you can't listen to secular music and all that kind of thing. But for me, there was a habit in my life that was, a, that was putting me out of alignment. 
And, and, I, and I think we all have different habits. We all have different go-to emotions. We have different go-to reactions. We have different things. Different, I, I was excited when somebody told me last week that they cut up a credit card because they're needing to get into alignment. And I, I love that because no, it's not that credit cards are evil and you can't have a credit card or you go to hell, but it's, sometimes it's a bad habit to be like, oh, I'll just put it on the card. I'll just put it on the card. I'll just put it on the card. And then you wonder why you're stressed all the time about the bills because of your misalignment of your just relying on that credit card and Instead of saying, well, I can't afford it, so I'm not going to, well, come on, somebody. Anyway, um, this is, you know, this is called, like, alignment. This is how we come into alignment. He says, everybody who has hope in Jesus, they ought to be checking themselves out for any kind of impurity, any kind of thing that they need to scrub off and clean up and change in their daily habits, their daily life. Sometimes it's not a trauma that happened to you. Sometimes it's just the way in which you go about your day, the music you listen to, the, mo the movies you watch, the stuff, the places that you go, the stuff that fills up your life. Are those things bringing you into alignment with God or are they fighting against that? Are they constantly sending you messages that are kind of opposed to that? Are they, are they throwing off your emotions? Are they throwing off your, your thoughts and your mind, your mind, the processes of your mind? Are they, are they getting in the way of the message that God's trying to share with you? Uh, I'll leave that. I'll just, I'll just leave that there because at the same time, you know, I know I, I, many of us have come from churches where it's, it's more legalistic. And so they so I have a lot of people asking me, you know, Harry, well, as a Christian, am I allowed to like dot, 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 you know, whatever. I don't know. Get a tattoo, uh, drink beer. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, you, like you name it. I got all sorts of questions. As a Christian, am I allowed to? And then just fill in the blank. Am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? I always kind of struggle with that question because like in a way, if it's legal, you are allowed like to do it you know I mean you're allowed to do whatever you want because you're an adult and if it's you know you can't go over the speed limit but there are things that you are allowed <laughs> oh now come on somebody we need some alignment right over in this I just feel a little a little, little aligned no just kidding um you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, allowed. Like, like when I was a kid growing up in my parents' house, like, I wasn't allowed to um, change my hair much, you know. Um, I wanted to, like, comb it to the side and spike it up, you know, because in the late 80s, that was really cool. But I wasn't allowed to have spiky hair. I wasn't allowed to have very short hair or very long hair. The ponytail, definitely not allowed. Um, I wasn't even allowed really to have facial hair. I wasn't I wasn't allowed a lot of things when I, when I was growing up. And so now I'm just experimenting with like hair and facial hair and it's just going crazy. And uh, it's fun though, it's fun. Uh, but you know, there were some things I wasn't allowed to do. But with, whenever somebody asks you if you're allowed, what they're really talking about is like an outside force sort of telling you what you should and should not do. And that's not what John's talking about. He's not talking about, okay, now that you joined the Christian club, here are the rules, right? These are the rules. This is what you, the, like, well, you, well, first of all, you have to pay your dues like every Sunday. And then, and then, like, and then, and then you can't do this or you'll get kicked out of the club. And so you've got so you to conform to a certain amount of rules so that you can join this club. He's not talking about a club. He's talking about a family. So he's not talking about rules. He's talking about DNA. So the greater question, the greater question is not, am I allowed to do something? The greater, the greater question is, do, does my, do my desires line up or align with God's desires. Because God's revealed his desires, like right here, you can read about it. Uh, he, he tells you what he likes, what he doesn't like. And, and, and so the question is, like, do your desires line up with his desires? And, and, and this is a process, though. This is a, this is a journey. This is something that happens. Uh, the one In one moment, you are transformed and you do become a new creature. But then this process of purifying ourselves, it takes a little while sometimes. But this is what John says. And, and John says, little children, you must not let anyone deceive you 
The one continually doing righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous, and the one continually doing sin is of the devil. Now, why in the world would he have to say that? It sounds kind of redundant to us. But he's saying that as because he's, he's dealing with a false teaching that had risen up in the church called Gnosticism. We've been talking a lot about Gnosticism. But John says this, passage, this phrase several times. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody lie to you. Because there were people in the, in the church that were coming along saying, we are Christians, we just believe a little bit differently than you, we've received special knowledge, and so we got this great, this great idea. And one of the things that, that they taught is that there was a huge separation between your body and your spirit. Like your body was uh, unredeemably sinful. You were just, your body, you're going to do sin stuff, you're going to do sinful things because you are human. And that's what they said. They said everything that's human is always sinful all the time. They can't help themselves. But then they said, you know what? But your spirit, like your spirit can really be saved. Your spirit can be righteous. So, so basically they, they drew a strong distinguishing factor between your body and your spirit. And they said, okay, look, uh, you can be saved in your spirit, just not in your body. <laughs> they said, you know, like, you could sort of like somewhere, um, I don't know, somewhere there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a clone of Harry in the spirit world walking around who looks great, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's perfect, he's holy, he's lovely, but the physical Harry, he doesn't always line up with that, but that's okay because, you know, your spirit's still good, your spirit's still in a good position. And that's what they taught. They taught that there was this, this great gap between your spirit and your in your body. And honestly, today, um, there's a lot of that same lie going around. I, uh, years ago, I was counseling somebody um, at another church, and um, uh, I think uh, it was a couple, and the husband had, um, husband had, had, had uh, cheated on his wife. And um, he was sorry. He was apologetic. They were wanting to work it out. It's good. So I'm talking to him, and he's talking about, you know, how it happened, what happened, and all this kind of thing. And he said, uh, and he said but, you know, that's just not me. And I said, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> Wasn't me. Da -da 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 -da. Well, anyway, um, you know, I was like, no, that, that actually was you. That was like, you just said that was you. You know, I thought like, it wasn't me. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I know that. Like, like, what do you mean it wasn't? He says, no, 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 I know it's me, but that's just not who I am. I said, so, okay, maybe I should break this down for you. Someone who cheats on his wife, this is what they do. They cheat on their wife. This is what you did. This is who you are, okay? Like, I know it's not like what you like to think about yourself. I know it's not what your mom thinks. But this is like, you are what you do. There is no big gap between, well, you know, I'm really a good person. I just do bad things. Like, no, no. The reason why we do bad things, well, let's just preach. The reason why we do bad things is because we are bad on the inside. Stuff from the inside comes out to the outside, not the other way around. We don't just accidentally, like, you know, like, like cheat on our spouses. That comes from inside. That's what Jesus said. He said all adultery comes from the inside. And so if you commit adultery, you are an adulterer. If you commit murder, you are a murderer. If you lie, you are a liar. This is that you are what you do. There's not some big difference. You're not like, like, like really a good person and then well, it's bad stuff. But that's a lie from the enemy. The enemy would love to lull you into the belief that, you know, hey, you're still a good person. Now, you know, I mean, you're not doing good stuff all the time, but you're still a good person, right? I mean, I mean you're, still, you're still good on the inside. And that's a lie from the enemy. So why would the enemy want to lie to me like that? Well, it's simple. Jesus said that whoever sins is a slave to sin. And the enemy doesn't mind if you think you're still a good person. The enemy just wants you to continue to be in slavery 
to him. And Christianity is not about doing good things so that you can be saved. That's not what John's saying here. He's not saying, hey, you know what you need to, you need to do? align yourself with this certain mode of behavior so that you'll be a Christian. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you align yourself with Christ, when you are born of him, that impacts what you do. And, and, and if, if someone's telling you that it doesn't, they're lying to you because they want you to stay in bondage. But Jesus has come to set us free. He's come to set us free. It's good news. It's good news. Uh, and I, anyway, I, I, love, I love how John breaks it down. He, he continues and he says, look, the one continually doing sin is out of the devil. And that is continual, by the way. It's not, it's just continual. It's not saying that you're going to never have a mistake, not saying that you're never going to do anything wrong. There is a continual process of cleansing. There's a process there that he's talking about. But he's saying that basically you're going to move away from doing sin to start doing good things. And this is why he says everybody having been born out of God doesn't continue to sin because his seed, because God's seed remains in him. So the power, the power to live the life that you want to live is from within. When God plants himself inside of you and changes your DNA. And that's, that's what happens. And it's not just a zapping. It's not just a zapping. I think sometimes in, in church we think, well, if I can just have that certain person pray for me, or if I, if I can just have that certain experience, that then everything will be different. Everything will be new. And there's a sense that that is true. But the Gnostics, the Gnostics also, uh, one of the, the teachings of Gnosticism was that Jesus, it was all about Jesus is where they really um, found some problems. And so uh, because they said all, all flesh is sinful, then they said, well, what about Jesus? Well, was Jesus really flesh? And, and, and we talked about that in the first week. One of the theories, there's two main theories of Gnosticism um, regarding this. Number one, they said Jesus wasn't really even there. He was just, he looked like he was there. He was a ghost. But the second theory was, that Jesus was in fact there, but he was your average guy. He was average Joe until he was baptized by John. There's a passage in scripture where, where Jesus is baptized by John. And he comes up out of the water and in the Christian gospels, you know, a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. It's this amazing moment. The Gnostics said that in that, that moment is when like he became the Christ. So prior to that, he was your average Joe. And then when like the Holy Spirit went wham, zapped him, then he became the Christ. And so out of that teaching, they also taught that you and I are average Joes, but that there is a moment or there's a place where there's a, a special knowledge or maybe it's a baptism or maybe it's a dove. I don't know. Something happens to you that pow, zap, wham, you are now like, woo, like on fire, like you're God kind of thing. Like you're suddenly like Christ kind of comes upon you. And it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not good because what, what they were doing then, they, were, they weren't relying on Jesus to continually cleanse them. They were relying on an experience. <laughs> They're relying on, oh, I've got to get that certain pastor to pray for me so that I'll, I'll, I'll get zapped, you know, and then boom, everything will be different. But once again, it's not power. It's not power that changes us. It's a revelation of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> And there's some power. Okay. Well, see, that didn't change anybody, did it? It's just, it's just, I'm just the same as I was. I need... <laughs> I've been in church a while. I've seen some stuff. I've seen people, stuff that I believe in. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. We believe in, we believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in interpretation of tongues. We believe in prophecy. Or as old-timers would say, reading somebody's mail. You know, we've, we've, we've seen that, you know. Uh, don't literally read people's mail. That's not... Anyway. Um, 
<laughs> you know, we no, 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 we've seen that here. We've seen words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We've had people um, fall out under the power of God, and that makes some people nervous. But, but man, it's it's not it's not it's not about that though. That's power, but that's not transformation. Transformation comes from seeing Jesus. God uses those things, but you can go down, like you can fall down and flop around, and then get back up and be the same. I've seen it happen. Lots of people, like, they get, they get all excited and stirred up and they get this big emotion thing and it doesn't change them. Uh, I'm, I'm all for those things, but I, I want to prioritize a revelation of Jesus. And so I really want, really want you to see Jesus. This is, this is what uh, John, this is how John concludes. He says, by this, the children of God, the children of the devil become evident. We start to see um, who's really children of God based on the power that they have in their life. And he says, my little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love each other. And this is what he says, though. He says, he says, because if our heart may condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart may not condemn us, and that's where we're trying to get to with our alignment, we have confidence toward God. And that's, that's what we need. We need confidence toward God. Whatever we may ask. We shall receive from him because we keep his commandments and we keep on doing what's pleasing in his sight. And what's his commandment? Just so you, you realize we're not getting off into legalism here. What's his commandment? Here it is. To believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love others. That is his commandment. Mark chapter 2, I want to read a quick story. This is a story that Emilio has been sharing in, in young adults this week. And so I'm going to steal his sermon, um, but I'm going to make it a lot shorter and not nearly as funny. Um, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, uh, is a story about Jesus when he walked the earth. A few days later, it says Jesus again entered Capernaum. And people heard that he had come home. And so they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he was preaching the word to them. That's amazing. When the word is preaching the word to them. I would have loved to have heard that sermon. No wonder it was packed. Verse 3 says, Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man. So somebody whose spine was not in alignment. A paralyzed man, he was carried by four men, and uh, he was actually on a mat, or on a, a, a flat bed. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. Uh, Emilio actually said they might have threw him because he couldn't feel anything, but exegetically that's false, so you got to get your facts straight, man. <laughs> They lowered the man on the mat, didn't throw him. Anyway, Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now I want you to understand that this is, this is the crux. This is what it comes down to. Alignment has everything to do with where your faith is. Alignment has everything to do with where your faith is. And faith is not just a mental belief. Faith is a reliance. So you can see where your faith is based on what you're leaning on, right? Based on what you're relying on. Based on where you're, you're distributing the weight of your life. When you distribute your, the weight of your life on, on your own two legs, that's where your faith is. That's where your reliance is. If the weight of your life is on some substance or food 
or 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 or, or, or something else. That's where that's where your reliance is. That's where your faith is. Your faith is always going to be where you distribute the weight of your life. When things crash and burn, what do you turn to? When things get tough, where do you go? What do you lean on? What do you lean on? Not 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 what do you say? Not what do you not not what do you not what, what do you share on Facebook? But what do you lean on? What do you really lean on? That's where your faith is. And we know where our faith is because Je Jesus says that he looked up and he saw their faith. It's amazing. How in the world do you see faith? How is that visible? Because we often think faith is something in here, something in here. It's just private. It's just between us and God. Nobody can see my faith. No, no, you can see faith. You can see it. Because whatever you are ready to dispose of in favor of something else, that's where your faith is. So they disposed of the roof. They got rid of the obstruction between them and Jesus. Jesus looked up and saw that they had not relied on that roof, not rested on that roof, not trusted that roof. Instead, they tore up the roof in order to get to him so Jesus could see that their faith was in him. Because whatever you tear through to get to, that's where your faith is. Whatever you lay aside, that's not where your faith is. Whatever you're willing to do without, that's not where your faith is. Whatever, you know, could be is yes or no, maybe I could take it or leave it. That's not where your faith is. It's the thing that you have to get through, that nothing is going to stop you from getting to that thing. That's where your faith is. And these guys tore up the roof to get to Jesus because they completely believed that Jesus was able to heal their friend. Their friend was paralyzed. Jesus was able to bring alignment to his spine so that feeling could come back into his limbs, so that life could come back into his body, so that he could return home to his wife and to his kids. He was, they had faith for that. But I love, I love what happens. There's two things that happen. Number one, Jesus addresses the guy and he says, son. <laughs> Now, now in John, in 1 John, we're talking a lot about, like, whose child are you? Whose child are you? Just kidding. Uh, we're that's just appropriate, fitting word. Uh, uh, whose child are, like, where, who is your father? That's a lot of what we're talking about. Who is your dad? Who, who, who is the one who has begotten you? Where are you from? Because that's going to show up in your identity. That's going to show up in your DNA. That's going to show up in your life. You're going to look kind of like your dad. You're going to act a little bit like your dad. You're going to have some of your parents in you. And so the whole, the whole issue is fatherhood. The whole issue in 1 John is, is whose, whose son are you? And this guy, okay, he's not Jesus' son, but Jesus calls him son. So, so sonship with Jesus doesn't come through your good works. It doesn't come through your ability to keep some rules or wear the right clothes. Sonship comes through faith. When he saw faith, he said, you're my son. You, faith will always find its father. <laughs> faith will always find its father. It'll look until it finds its father. It's amazing, man, the power of, of a father. I, this isn't Father's Day, so I'm not going to go on about it. But it is amazing, though, the power of a father. Like, even people that are uh, adopted um, for their entire lives, um, uh, they, they still have a real connection with their birth father. I was talking to somebody this week, and, um, and the birth father is, is not, uh, not in a good place. This man adopted uh, his daughter, and 
still like birth fathers in jail, Mexican mafia, tough guy. And he even told her, don't do what I did. Don't follow my life. There's nothing for you here. But it's amazing, man. Your kids don't listen to what you say. They, they watch the way you live. Because faith is always looking for a father to model itself after and go after. And fatherhood and adoption is beautiful and it's amazing, but there's still always, there's still always a connection to that original father. Which is why Jesus said you must be born again. You can be adopted into the family of God, but the way that God adopts you into the family is that he re births you so that you can truly say, Abba, Father. You can truly say, He is my Father. He's my birth Father. He's, he's the one who, who born me. I was, I was birthed out of love. Whatever situation you were born, with, born in this world, maybe it wasn't a loving situation, but when it comes to Jesus, you are birthed out of love. You are birthed out of intimacy. You are birthed out of truth. You are birthed out of wholeness. Jesus, his, he didn't call him son because he needed a son, because he needed that. God doesn't birth because he needs. He doesn't, he doesn't need somebody to like him. He's not insecure. His love is not wondering whether or not you're going to choose. No, that's it's not God. He's not desperate. He's not, he, he, he simply births you out of love simply because that's who he is. And so Jesus looks at this man. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the actual word there is removed, which is what John's talking about. Your sins are removed. Now, it's amazing that they brought him to be aligned physically. <laughs> they wanted his spine to be aligned physically. But Jesus said, actually, what's even better than that is for you to be aligned spiritually. And so you'd be better off on a mat not able to move and have your sins removed from you and have your spiritual spine aligned with him than you would be to be up and running around and jumping around and, and still have the, the agony in your heart of not being aligned spiritually. And so he says, first of all, let me align you spiritually. Let me remove your sins because it's creating knots in your back and it's pulling tension in your spiritual spine. And there's, there's all sorts of, of, of anger and, and envy and jealousy and rage and, and, and bad dreams and fear just consuming you and anxiety. Let me, let me, let me, let me take that out. Let me, let me, let me allow life to come into those limbs. Let me allow life to come in those areas of your life that, that, that were so numb and so dead because you weren't able to hear from your father. You didn't know who your father was, but now, now that you found your father, now that you found your head, now I'm able to speak life into those areas. I'm able to remove sin from you. And the religious folks, man, they got ticked off. They said, wait a minute, nobody can remove sin except for God. And Jesus, yeah, that's kind of the point. Um, by the way, Let's now align your spine. And he said, rise and walk. And his spine was instantly fused together and everything was made whole. Everything was aligned with the word of God who was speaking the word of God who was aligning things in his body. And he, and he stood up. The next verse says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this guy talk like this? He's, pla he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit, this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. In other words, he's saying, look, if I was trying to do what was easier, I would have just told the guy to get up and walk. But I want you to know, it's amazing how often Jesus reached out to religious folks. So if you're religious today, man, Jesus loves you. It's all good. It's all good. Look at this. He says, I, I went through all of this. I, I aligned his spirit because I want you to know 
that I have authority on earth to remove sins. I want you to get this. This is important. This is why I have come to destroy the works of the devil. This is why I have come to remove sins. I haven't just come to give some nice teachings on a, on, on, on a mountainside, heal some people, and then go away. I have come to destroy the work of the devil, which is sin in your life. This is why I showed up. This is why I was manifested. This is why I appeared. I want you to know. And I think Jesus wants you to know this today. I think every situation he's trying to reveal himself. Every situation he's trying to open up and unveil himself. He's hiding. He's hiding in the corners of your job. He's hiding in the, in the recesses of your mind and in your life. You, you, he's been there all along. You just haven't seen him. He, you've seen him as a healer. You've seen him as somebody who can do something for, for maybe for your marriage. And that's why you decided to come to church because things are falling apart. We got to, you know, my, my spouse has got to get her act together. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't look around right now. Just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. Come on, somebody. It, it might not be her. It might be him. But either way, there's some kind of paralysis. And you're like, we got to get this fixed. We got to get to church. But Jesus has brought you here so that you would know that, yeah, he can deal with your marriage. He can deal with your finances. He can deal with your work situation. But really what he wants to do is he wants to align your spirit. He can remove the root cause of your selfishness. And it is inside of you. And you can't get, nobody can remove this but God alone not 12 steps, 10 steps, 7 steps. Not, I mean, there's, there's nothing can remove sin except God. And so you come to the right place. You come to the right place. I can't tell you that your marriage will instantly be amazing. I can't tell your finances are instantly going to be like, woo! But I can tell you that in a moment you can find your father. And when you find your father, he can remove your sin and pull it out. Mm. It's good news. It's good news. And all around us today are people who have experienced that good news. Um, I've experienced that good news. And I keep experiencing that good news, by the way. This is not something I experienced long ago. And I tell you, oh, back then, that was awesome. Back in the day. You know, we kind of treat it like that sometimes, though, right? It's like, yeah, I already experienced that. It's all good. And so hold up, hold up, hold up. Whoever has this hope in themselves purifies himself, cleanses himself continues to walk with God, continues to rely on God, continues to need the God of the cleansing, the God of the removal, continues to need Him. It's not just for those weird people off the street who, you know, well, they need Jesus. No, this is all of us. We need Him to continue to align us because, because we we're so bent and so twisted and our habits are such that our, our spirits get out of alignment. And so I want to like for everybody to close their eyes for just a moment and bow your heads. And I want to give you an opportunity as we always do. We always give an opportunity to respond to Jesus and to put our faith in Jesus. And so if that's you today, if you're going to put your faith in Jesus, maybe for the first time, 